Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So here, here we are, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give somebody a high five. Come on. Or a fist or whatever it is that you're doing. Well, hey, we are on week three. We're talking today about give us a day, our daily bread. We're kind of switching gears. You know, the first couple of weeks was really centered on worship and adoration and really focused on God. And then today we're kind of moving into a little bit of of petition, right? A little bit of asking the Lord for something. And so the first week we did talk about our posture, right? Our our posture when we pray is important, right? Jesus talked us how to pray. There's a right way to pray, and there's a wrong way to pray. And when we approach God, we we approach him as a father. We're saying you're a father, but you're a holy father. You're you're a God that's to be revered. Come on, you're a God that's to be honored. And then we talked about the priority. The priority, not just the place of prayer should be a priority, but what is the priority of prayer? The priority of prayer is kingdom come, will be done. That's, That's the priority of prayer. So when we're praying, we're making that declaration. We're saying, Listen, I'm here praying, God, not just because I need something, but because I want your kingdom to dominate on the earth as it is in heaven. And so that's where we're at. And then we move into this thing called provision. And that's what we're talking today, that verse uh, 11 that says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us today. Right now, this moment, not necessarily tomorrow. In fact, Proverbs, uh, uh, Solomon prayed this. He said, don't give me more than I, only give me, only, only give me what I need today because it, because if you give me what I need tomorrow, then I might forget. And so, so give us today our daily bread. Everybody say daily bread. So give us, what are we doing when we say give us? We're saying, God, I need you. We're saying, God, I, I need you. I'm asking you to take care of this. Even though there might be a partnership involved, and even though it might have a part to play in provision, I'm asking you to give us. I'm recognizing, God, that you're the provider. You're the provider of my strength. You're the provider of my motivation. Come on, you are the provider. This day, what we need for today. And then he says, use this statement, daily bread. Now, now, now for you, you might just think... How many of y'all are raised in an age and, and someone said, got to go, got to go make bread or got to go get some money for bread, right? Basically, when we say bread, we're, we're talking about provision, right? Everything that I need in my life. Well, the Jews understood daily bread a little bit different than you might understand daily bread. When they talk about daily bread, they're talking about this stuff that they experienced after Exodus when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, this stuff called manna. Now, we have that word manna, but if you are a, a scholar in, in Hebrew language, you'll understand that that word manna, it doesn't really mean much. It means this. What is it? <laughs> so what happened is they're like in the, in the wilderness. 
There's, there's nothing growing. There's no grain growing. There's no animals out there. You know, there, there might be some little animals that they could catch, but there's really, you know, they're not really good at hunting. You know, they, they just came out of being enslaved for all these years. You know, they're probably pretty good at working the ground, but not really good. But there's no ground to work. It's all desert. It's all barren. And so what, what's happened is they're forced into this place, this glorious place of trusting God. And so God says... In Exodus chapter uh, 16, you can go and look at it. God says, I'm, I'm going to provide for you bread from heaven. And so they walk out, and there's this white, kind of looks like snow on the ground, these flakes, this white, flaky, sweet stuff. It's kind of like mini tortillas, donuts, right? It's, it's, it says that it's a little bit sweet, like it's been infused with honey, and they could take this stuff, and they could make, you know, little manna cakes, and manna burgers, and manna pizza, and everything. They just make manna, manna, manna everything. So when they went outside, they saw it, they were like, what is it? So when they're talking about manna, isn't that funny? What is it? What, what is it that the Lord provides is really what they're saying. We don't really have a name for it. We, and so what they called it oftentimes is they call it bread from heaven. And there's even some, some, that, uh, some references where it was called angel bread. And so basically, they just think that, that they woke up every morning, and God was just dumping out this bread on the ground, this sweet bread on the ground that they could make uh, tons of stuff with. And so, um, and of course, like always, they complained about what God provided, they complained about it. They're like, oh, we're, we're, we're tired of eating this donuts for breakfast every morning, right? I mean, they, we're tired of it. Can we go back to it? They were actually preferring at some points Egypt and slavery over eating what the Lord had provided. How many times do we complain about the things that God provides, right? One of the things that I learned uh, about four years ago, five years ago, is I was going through some counseling because I was just emotionally had some lack in my life. And, and I was talking to this counselor and he said, Josh, he's like, one of the things that you've got to learn to do is just eat the bread that the Lord provides. And sometimes encouragement doesn't always come the way that we want it, but it's the way that the Lord is providing it. And so some of you are hungry, not because there's no provision. It's just because you aren't eating what the Lord has provided. And so with this, with this manna, there was a stipulation, right? They had to go out and they collect it and they collected a certain amount. And, and, and it, the thing was, though, and the, the link to daily bread is this. It was only good for one day. There was only one day of the week where they could connect, collect enough for tomorrow, and that was on Saturday because the Sabbath was for the Lord. And so they couldn't collect any on the Sabbath. So only one day a week was it good for the next day. And so what, if, if they would take, if you took your what is it and you put it in a jar, you know, I don't want to go collect what is it tomorrow. I said, I'm on my back, I'm hot hurt, I'm hot tired from picking it up from yesterday. You know, those, all that little flaky stuff gets heavy and I'm just tired of being over it, right? And so I just had a rough day. My kids weren't behaving, so I don't want to collect. So I'll just, I'll, I'll save some today. I'll collect a little extra today and, and, and then the next morning I'll go and I'll just, eat tomorrow's. And so what would happen is if you went and you looked in that jar, it would be rotted. It would be rotten. Why? Because it's daily bread. See, that's why your prayers yesterday aren't good enough for today. That's why Sunday is not good enough for Monday. 
Some of you think, oh, if I have a good day at church on Sunday, then Monday is going to be better. No, Monday will have its troubles. Sunday will take care of Sunday. But Monday, you get to go and you get to eat some daily bread on Monday. It might taste a little different than the bread you're getting on Sunday. I'll feed you on Sunday. But on Monday, you got to feed yourself. And see, some of y'all been living off yesterday's manna. But see, the manna that nourished you yesterday will poison you today. So you got to quit eating that old man. I'll just have, the Lord did so much in my life 10 years ago. I just can never forget it. I can never get over it. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever get over it. But don't think that that will sustain you today. That's great for your history, but that's all it is. It provided for you then. And some of you are so satisfied with what the Lord has done in your past celebrate the past, rejoice in the past, never forget. That scripture is all, that's all over the scriptures. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. It's great to have history, but history will not feed you today. What what are you going to do for history tomorrow? So bread represents everything that we need to sustain life. Bread in the Jewish culture is is a staple, right? It's kind of like Beef, <laughs> right? My diet is stay at home. Where's the meat, right? Where's the beef, right? You guys remember that? It's bread. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I could not live off bread alone. <laughs> Come on, Lord, right? But the Jews could. They understood. And sometimes they would have fish, and even the Lord would provide quail for them, so they'd have you know some good glory protein. But bread is enough. Bread's enough to sustain your life. So it's important to remember when we're talking about daily bread is this, is that provisions are promised. God will take care of you. If you're his, God will take care of you. Can you just say that? God will take care of me? God will take care of you. You're his. You're you're God's responsibility. (laughs) Come on. And I, I would suggest this, and he is yours. <laughs> he is your responsibility also. You, you need to eat that daily bread. So it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, my God, and I love how he says that, my God. Like, I, this is personal, guys. My God will supply, will meet all, how many? All of them, not just some of the needs, not just, come on, not, not just a few that you worked really hard for. All your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God provides, not according to earthly need, but by heaven's resources. So God doesn't provide you according to your need. He provides provides for you according to his plenty. Heaven never runs out. You know, the manna rained for 40 years. It it didn't stop until they entered the promised land. It was so important to the Jewish people because it was an image of God's provision. It was so important that in the Ark of the Covenant, they had a jar that had manna in it. So they would never forget that God provides, that God is Jehovah Jireh, that is his nature to provide. It's in his nature. It's in his nature. See, it's it's by his glory and for his glory 
that he provides for you. Did you know that when God provides for you, we, we kind of look at it this way. We kind of think God's providing for me. I just, I just need you, God. I'm just so needy. And he's going, it is my glory to provide for you. It is my pleasure. See, as a, as a dad, I have four children. I have six mouths to feed in my house. One of the mouths is getting bigger and bigger all the time. It consumes a lot. So when I go shopping at Sam's, I'm not like, oh, I just don't know how. I'm like, man, I'm going to get this for them, right? Maybe I might get them a surprise this time. Maybe I'm going to provide for them a little bit differently than I did last time. I mean, it's, it's a joy for me to provide for my family. I never look at it as, as a burden. Now, now, there is a weight to it. It's, there's, a, there's a responsibility that rests on my shoulders that I am the provider of my family. That is heavy. But it was God-given. And it's my joy and my delight to provide for my family. I love it. And we need to look at our Father the same way that he looks at us and he goes, it's for my glory. It's, it's, it's part of my nature. So when we allow God to provide for us, we bring glory to God. I, I, I have a, a lot of history, and we've used this verse recently, and I'm using it again today. Psalm 37, 25, I, I love how David says this. He says, I was young, and now I'm old. I'm young, I was young, and now I'm older. Not old, but he says, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's people not taken care of. Can I tell you, I've been serving the Lord for a long time. Like 28 years. Never. Never, not one time have I seen God not take care of his people. I, I remember in 98, I was working in the oil field. Full time. Good job. Good paying job in those days. It's still a good job to work in the oil field. Oil fields and oil deserts all. What we call oil. I'm trying to help you understand what I'm saying. Work in the oil field, and I was making pretty good money, had benefits, all that kind of stuff, but I was also youth pastoring at the same time. In fact, I started those jobs on the same day, on a Wednesday, the middle of the week. And I was like, oh, this is what the next two and a half years is going to look like. I mean, it was work, stinky and, you know, greasy and all that. And then I went and picked up kids. Bust them all in because we were kind of at a in a lower income area of town and that we ministered mostly to kids that lived in the project. So I'd get the church van and I'd drive them. And then in those days I led worship, so I'd practice the band and then I'd lead worship and then I'd preach and I'd get home about eleven o'clock at night. And on Tuesday nights I would go and invite the kids and spend time. So man, I was like doing like because there's no such thing as part as part time ministry. There's such thing as part time pay. In fact, we're all in full time ministry by the way. And so. But I needed to be able to devote more time to it, but I just couldn't. So the pastor of the church, I'd been doing it for like 100 bucks a month or something. And so the pastor of the church said, hey, he said, why don't you quit your job in the oil field? And why don't you get another, a part-time job? That way you can devote more time to the church. I was like, sweet, this is the dream. You know, this is the dream for everybody that's young and going into ministry. They think that well, if I can just be, they can pay me full-time for this, then it'll be so much easier. Uh, <clears throat> lies. And so... I, I, uh, so I did it. I quit my job at the oil field, making really good money, 
and went to work for a Christian bookstore. I'll spare you some stories. And my salary got cut in half immediately. And I was really bad at managing my money, really bad at it. A lot of debt, a lot of bad decisions. And one thing that happened, I was tithing, I was faithful to the Lord. One thing that happened is I was always provided for. It wasn't easy. Sometimes it took a lot of faith. Sometimes there was like $2 in the bank account. I remember digging through the sofa getting changed so I could go buy me a, some roses, tortillas, and beans. I mean, <laughs> this is for real. But I remember one day I got a, got a phone call from a woman at the church, and she said, she said, Pastor Josh, she said, I, I want to I, I wanna do something. It might seem kind of weird. She's like, but I've been on food stamps, and I, I'm telling you, my fridge was like empty. I might have had like some milk in there and, and maybe a little bit of cereal or something. And she said, I, I've been getting food stamps. And she said, and I've been meaning to tell you. She said, but I, I feel like that uh, I need to tithe my food stamps. She said, she said I, want, I want to take you to the store and I'll get you some groceries. And I just remember going and getting all this, I mean, food that would last like, you know, I don't know, maybe two months. I remember when. Pastor Leslie and I lost our job in El Paso. Same thing. Money, the income was gone. We didn't have a job. We didn't know what was going to happen. We were uncertain. And I just remember the Lord providing. I remember people showing up and leaving checks at our doorstep. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their kids out begging for bread. I, I mean, I've experienced the provision of God and not when it's been just good. But, I, but I'm so grateful. Listen, I'm so grateful that during those seasons that I didn't complain about God's provision, one. But I'm also glad that I had those seasons because it taught me to trust. Because now I'm not like that. Now the Lord, he was providing, he was just as much provider then as he is now. But now I have plenty, but I trust the same. It still takes the same kind of trust, but I learned to trust when it was difficult. And some of you are going to learn to trust when it's difficult. And some of you haven't had it difficult yet because your parents are still paying for your bills. That's okay. That's the way the Lord's providing. Sweet. Score. But it's not always going to be there. One day you'll have to trust the Lord and not trust your parents. Or trust a good-paying job. Matthew 6. Jesus, later on in this chapter, this is the Sermon of the Mount. We've, we've hit on this a little bit. And he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more for clothes? And then he goes in and he talks about, he's like, oh, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. Look at the flowers. They don't trip out. They're not worried about any of that. Even Solomon and all of his glory, you know, all this kind of thing. And then he says this in verse 31. So do not worry saying, what will we eat? What are we going to eat? Or what should we drink? Or what will we wear? Now, I'm not talking about like you have a closet full of clothes. I told Leslie last night, I got a closet full of clothes. 
<laughs> I have another word. Well, for the pagans, here it is. Oh, 32. For the pagans run after these things. Run after what? Provision. And your heavenly fathers know knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Here it is again. Talked about this two weeks ago. And his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. In other words, put the kingdom first and God will make sure that you're provided for. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Worrying is making a down payment on things that may never happen tomorrow. That's all it is. Each day is enough trouble of its own. So we don't chase provision. We chase the kingdom. Right? Because pagans chase things. Pagans chase provision. We chase the provider. We chase the kingdom. That's our pursuit. So don't get caught up in your job and your occupation. Get caught up in the kingdom. Bring the kingdom to your job, to your occupation. So how do we pray for provision? So if God's going to take care of us, why should we pray? Well, I can tell you another thing that I enjoy, that I enjoy as a father. I love it when my kids ask for things. I love it. Because, I, because they're expressing a need, and I get to meet it. The glory of dad revealed. And it's the same way when you ask your heavenly father. So Jesus, in, in, Luke's, in Luke's version of this text, he says, suppose you have a friend, verse 5, Luke 11. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Friend of mine, a friend of mine's on a journey. He's come to me, but I don't have any food to offer him. I don't have any bread. I want to be generous, but I can't. My bread's gone. I ate my daily bread. It's, it's gone. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you. Now, this is the way houses were built that you would lock up. At night, the windows were open. You know, they didn't have AC, so you could hear people outside your house. And he said, they come to you at night, and they're like, I have a friend coming in town. And I need to provide for them. I don't have any bread. Can I give you some bread? No, go away. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. Stop texting me, right? I'm just trying to sleep. Bing. How rude. <laughs> right? Pastor Leslie has a rude alarm clock. Today it hit me. I was laying there resting, praying, thinking about today, and then bah, 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 I was like, Ugh. it's a great way to start the day. And he says this, the door is already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything, but I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, he's not going to do it because he's your friend, yet because of your shameless audacity, one translation says, shameless persistence. He will surely give you, get up and give you as much as you need just to get you to shut up so he can go back to bed. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks on the door will be opened. Will be, not maybe, will be. Which of your fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, 
Though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we talk about the Holy Spirit. Yes, this is about the Holy Spirit. But what is in the Holy Spirit? In the Holy Spirit is the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is the kingdom. It's the king dwelling inside of you, providing the provider in you. He will give you the provider because of your shameless persistence. So how do we pray for provision? Number one, we pray persistently. Ask and keep asking. That's, that's your prayer tip. Well, I have prayed for that. You know how many times I've heard that in ministry? I've probably heard that more than any other thing. I've prayed that before. Ask again. That's exactly what our kids do. Ask again. And eventually we give in. Listen, you say, well, we don't have to beg God for things like that. I don't know. How do you reconcile that thought with what Jesus just taught us about prayer? In fact, in the Greek and then in other translations, it says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Then the door will be open. But you've got to ask again. See, God really enjoys the process of your prayers being answered. He loves it when you ask again. I don't like it when you ask again. Like I told you no 14 times. They think the 15th might work, and it might. The shameless persistence. Ask again. Ask and keep asking because you're realizing it is faith because you're realizing that God's the one that's going to provide, so I'll just keep asking. Number two, pray specifically. Pray specifically. Oh, Lord, provide for my needs. Amen. Wow. Could, would you, what if your kid came to you like, hey, provide for my needs? Amen. <laughs> You'd be like, which ones? They're already provided for you. You've already got, you've already got food. You've already got running water. I mean, running water. You know, like, God's provided for you running water. You got internet. They think that's a need. Well, it's not a need. But when they don't have it, you would think it is. See, part of our communion with God is approaching him as a father who provides. You remember when Jesus, uh, many times in his ministry, and when he goes up to blind Bartimaeus, he asks him, what do you need? Well, Jesus already knew he was blind. Jesus knew his needs. He already knows his needs. What does he want? He wants to ask. He wants you to be specific. Well, Lord, heal me. He didn't say, Lord, heal me. He said, Lord, I want to see. And guess what he saw? So be specific. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. So the prayer tip is this. Just be specific. God, I need my water bill to be paid. God, I need this electric bill to be paid, especially last month. I need it. God, I need food. God, I need to eat today. God, I need some Whataburger. I need it. Or something. Pray, number three, pray confidently. And this is what he's teaching us. Ask, ask for bread. We'll give you, I mean, there's specifics in here. Third is this, pray confidently. How much more will your heavenly father? How much more? I mean, evil dads give their kids beans. How much more will your heavenly father provide for those that have need? Jesus says it this way in Luke 12, 32. He says, it's your father's pleasure or your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Everything that you need. 
It's his pleasure to do it. It's his glory to do it. God wants to provide for you. Pray confidently. So if you're not, so you say, well, Pastor, I've, I've done all that. Ask again. We say, well, I'm not seeing God's provision. I'm not seeing it. Well, I have a couple of, a couple of thoughts for you. Number one is this, examine your habits. First of all, are you asking? I'm not saying you're thinking about those things. I'm not saying you're worrying about those things. Worrying isn't praying. We've talked about that. Just because you're worrying about it. God knows you're worrying, but he wants you to come to him with his worry, with your worry. Turn your worry into worship, right? Get before the Lord with it. Are you asking? See, some of y'all have a need in your life, and you quit asking God. That's not the, that's not the right way to pray. You keep asking. Are you working? Well, God's just going to provide. Yeah, a job. He's going to provide a job. So get off your lazy butt. Well, I don't have a car. Do you have shoes? Do you have friends? You can afford internet, but you can't afford shoes to walk and get a job? Have you asked? Get a job. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this. It says, the Lord has given you the ability to produce wealth. To produce wealth, not just provision, but to produce wealth. God has put his power on you so that you can go out and you can accomplish things. It's the power, it's the glory of God on you. Are you being wise? Are you being wise with your money? Do you waste it? Do you go, you get paid, and you have like $13 left, and you go buy 13 $1 scratch-offs? That's not wise. Who are you trusting? Are you... You know, one of, one of the things, growing up kind of in, in poverty and working at restaurants, I would see people that were poor. And I, when I say poverty, it's, that's, a, that's a terrible word for it. It wasn't really poverty, but we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot. Of, and I saw people that were in the same situation. When, when I worked at Steak and Ale, people would come in. Steak and Ale was kind of like a, you know, kind of like an outback or probably a little nicer than that in those days. And people would come in. And you know that they didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, you can just kind of tell. And they just come in. They spend like, they drop like 150 bucks on a meal. I'm like, you just got paid. Like, you don't, like, you are not doing very well. <laughs> you just come and spend like, you could have bought like a whole month's worth of groceries in those days with that. And you just wasted it because you got paid. Like, you needed to reward yourself. Be wise. It's not that God's not providing. It's like, what are you doing with what God's provided? He did provide for you. Are you wasting it? So don't, don't, are you wasting it? God doesn't bless foolishness or poor stewardship. He doesn't bless it. There's nothing in the Bible that rewards, God rewards foolishness. Now there's grace. And I would suggest this to you. Even when you are foolish, God is likely still providing. You're just, you just want more than he's providing. Now, I would suggest this. If you're a good steward with the little, God will make you ruler over much. We know that. Are you being generous? Well, no, I can't afford to be generous. If you can't afford to be generous with nothing, you'll never afford to be generous with something. You'll never be generous. You've got to be generous with what you got. You've got to be generous with your time. You've got to be generous with your talents. Come on, you've got to be generous with your money. And the second is this. Examine your heart. Examine your heart. James 4.2. Examine your habits. Examine your heart. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. We already talked about that. Have you asked God? No. Has that not occurred to you that he's the provider? 
I'm being sarcastic today a lot. Sorry. Number three, verse three. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Check your heart. You want only what will give you pleasure. Your, your aim isn't the kingdom. Your aim isn't generosity. Your, your aim is more stuff, materialism. Listen, it is okay to have desires. Let me tell you today, God wants to bless some of your wants. I believe it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I mean, God wants to provide your wants, but your wants aren't promises. Your provisions are. And some of you are frustrated because God hasn't answered your want. But he has answered your need all along. And, beloved, I, be- I believe this. If you will get grateful for God providing, and this I've had to learn this, I'm telling you. And we're seeing it now. We've learned to be grateful and content and humble with little and been good stewards of it and been generous. And we've seen God make us ruler over more. It's not much yet, but it's going to be. And I won't be bashful about it because the more I have, the more I can give. And God, God will make sure that I'm not empty. So it's good to have, it's, it's, it's okay to have desires. And it's okay to ask God for those things. It's okay to keep asking God for those things. Even the things that you don't quote unquote need. It's okay. But it's important that you know the difference between needs and wants. My wants need to be his wants. God, what do you want? And I think God wants to bless you, but he's not going to be if you're being foolish or if your heart's not in the right place, he's just not going to. When we pray, we should meditate on the difference. Lord, I understand that this is a want. I'm just going to say it because you already know. I wanted a truck for 12 years. I wanted it. I asked God for it a long time, a long time. Drove a car that was way too small for me. For a long time. Eventually, I got my want. Praise the Lord. And I'm not going to be bashful about it. But I've been a good steward, see. So prayer tip is this. When praying, don't treat wants as needs. You can even tell the Lord, Lord, I would really like to have this. And that's typically when I tell the Lord a want, I say that. But be specific. Tell them what you want. It's good. But understand, when you're processing, when you're at a place of prayer, just spend some time going, okay, Lord, we're just evaluating right now. These are my needs. And I'm realizing, God, you're providing those. And, Lord, now I'm petitioning my want. And then you're not going to be as frustrated when God doesn't, quote, unquote, answer your prayer. Listen, some answers are no, and we've got to be okay with that. Sometimes God says no because it's not his will. Because sometimes giving us what we want will ruin us. And God's like, I don't want you to have that. Ah, I don't like that. I don't even like preaching that. I don't even like saying that. But sometimes some things aren't the will of God for me to have. Ah. So I just lay it down. I say, God, I don't want what you want. We need to hurry. He said, yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Yes, I do. First John 5, 14. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I preach better with you in the room. I told you that. First John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have when approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have what we have asked him.
So it's important that we're not just listening in prayer, but we're discerning in prayer what is a need, what is a desire. But here's the deal. Provision to sustain is not all that Jesus provides. Jesus didn't die on a cross. (laughs) Come on. Jesus didn't experience the hardships of life for you to just be sustained. For you to just survive. He wants you to be revived. And he says this in Matthew 6, 25, is life not more than food. It's more than food. That doesn't mean helicopters and hot tubs and limos. It doesn't necessarily mean that. If the kingdom can be advanced through that, then maybe it does. Remember when Jesus is tempted by Satan? What does he say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, he's talking about physical bread, and then he talks about the other bread that we eat, our daily bread, the word. That's why you need to be in the word every single day, even the word that you don't like. I'm convinced that we're so caught up in God God wanting to be liked. No, he wants to be loved. But don't hide the things about God that you don't, you're not particularly fond of because you think the world will, to make him palatable. We're not trying to make God palatable. We're trying to reveal his fullness and who he is. And I'm a little bit tired of us just kind of sweeping everything, the things that we don't like in the Bible. Let's just kind of conceal that so God's more palatable. Listen, he's the one that saves. The real God, the real Jesus. But see, our greatest need And our most significant provision is the person of Christ. The word made flesh. Come on. The bread of life. The bread from heaven. The manna. The bread from heaven. Jesus declared, John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and eats will never be hungry again. I will satisfy you. Will you stand?